ladies and gentlemen, this is episode number 210. Who would have thought, huh? 210 of Shut Up and Grind with your host, yours truly, Robert B. Foster. So we dodged a bullet today. We were supposed to get another snowstorm. We had two feet last Saturday, but thankfully it's all rain. So whoever uh, we, we, we pray to or you, you whatever, thank them that we got rain and not snow. <laughs> so any which way. If you are new to the show, we're all about overcoming obstacles. We're about defying the odds and just making your dreams come true. I know it sounds cliche-ish, but it's true. So I bring guests on from all over the world, been from six different continents, over 30 different countries, and everybody has a similar story. They were going down one path, maybe their parents wanted them to, or they went down the path because it paid well, but it, it wasn't something that actually lit their soul on fire. And then they ended up having some type of crossroads, took the steps to do what it is they want to do, and now they're finding success. And again, it doesn't matter where the guests are from. A lot of the journeys are very, very similar. So what does that tell you? It tells you that there's, there's ways to get it done, no matter what it is, no matter what it is you're looking for. If it's you want to change careers, if you want to side hustle, if you want to volunteer somewhere, if you want to start a nonprofit, no matter what it is, there's steps to get through it. And I use my guest stories to help inspire you to take the actions that you need to get there. Oh, and me? Who am I? Check it out. I started doing workshops and doing groups where I'm getting up in front of of others, like outside of the gym setting and talking about resilience and perseverance and goal setting and vision and taking action. You should know what one hour of your time is worth. You should know the value that you bring to the marketplace. You know what your passion is. starts with clarity of vision. If you don't have the clarity of vision, whatever next thing you get, you're not going to see it through because you don't have the clarity of vision. So the, the point of my pain was being told you will never run or jump again. And all that stuff, I was like, you know what? Like, I want to be able to take this even bigger. If you know why you do what you do, you have to know how to charge for what you do. That's how you're going to change your life, and that's how you're going to leave a legacy for your children and your family. you got to know your work. All right, and before I bring my guest on, we have the teachable moment of the day. And I'm going to keep it short and sweet. Today's teachable moment, stop letting other people define your future. Stop, stop, stop. And I'll even use this podcast as an example. I was told by, by someone who, who's a speaker, who's a speaker coach, you know, that like they train people to do this stuff. They said, you're not going to be taken seriously if you show up in a tank top. Here we are, episode 210. I started with one show a week. Now I do four. And I'm booked solid through to the end of May. On all four shows. There are people with much bigger platforms than mine that are still looking for guests for next week. So stop letting other people define your path. Show up, be your authentic self, and just let life unfold the way it's meant to unfold. Okay? That's today's Teachable Moment. So now today, I have a guest on. And who is this guest? She has contributed her sage advice to the backyard chicken keeping community for more than a decade. If that doesn't pique your curiosity, something wrong. Appearing on local and national media, including NPR, The View, HGTV, Farmer's Almanac, to name a few. And she's an author, a fifth generation chicken keeper, master gardener, and co-op to kitchen cook. Please welcome Lisa Steele. Hey, I, always, I always give those entries like like it's a live studio audience. It's like, please welcome to the show. And it's like, there's there's no one to clap except me. <laughs> Good morning. How you doing? Good. How are you? I am great. Thank you. So you're a fellow New Englander. I figured you were in New England when you mentioned the snow. Uh, yeah, yeah. We, got, we got about a foot and a half in Maine last oh, week. Okay. Yeah. I'm in Rhode Island. Okay. Uh, yes. Yeah, so awesome. Nice, nice. Uh, wait, let me get the, the live stream on here so I can see it. 
anybody asks questions. All right, so are you originally from Maine? Massachusetts. I went to okay. college at, in, at Bryant in Rhode Island, though, so I've, I've spent okay. a lot of time in Rhode Island. Nice. Love my little state. Well, yeah. this this time of year, I, I could take it or leave it, but spring, spring, summer, fall, I love it. <laughs> so it's nice. It's nice being close to everything. You know, that, that's one one thing we have that the bigger states don't have. Like if you're in Springfield and you want to go to the Cape, that's like a four hour affair. You know, to get here, we can get top to bottom in 40 minutes. 40 minutes, exactly. <laughs> it's a very yeah. nice little state. Yeah, yeah, it's very, it's very convenient. All right, so what, what brought you to Maine? Uh, well, I grew up in, in Massachusetts, went to school in Rhode Island, as I mentioned. And long, long, long story short, my husband went to Maine Maritime and okay. did his 20 years in the Navy and then more years working for the military. And when he retired, I had started writing books. And so we could live wherever we wanted. And we knew we wanted to come back to New England and we chose Maine. Okay. But why? Why? We, why? We Maine's snow. cold. Maine's colder than here. <laughs> <laughs> but lobster is cheap. Mm. <laughs> That's a solid answer. Solid answer. <laughs> all right. All right. So, um, how how would you describe your your upbringing? Very rural, small town, New England. You know, kind of what you would picture: a little town with a little white church, and you know, a hundred kids in my high school class, where. The school was so small that you had to play in the football band and also play football. And, you know, it was just a really small town community type upbringing. You know, we jumped on our bikes and disappeared. And our mom said, come home for dinner or at least give me a call. Let me know where you're eating dinner. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, that was very, very similar here. I grew up in, in the woods in um, the southern end of the state. And yeah, same, same thing. Ours was come back when the streetlights turn on. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I know all about that. All right, so let's get to know you a little bit better. So through the lens of your best friend, how, how would they describe you? Oh, my goodness. Wonderful, fun, generous to a fault, loyal, and probably a big pain in the neck. <laughs> how do you end with that after all those wonderful things? <laughs> no, um... Yeah, I mean, that thats that really is a hard question. I mean, if you were asking my husband, the pain in the neck part would come first. I can tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> that's hysterical. All right. <laughs> so let's let's go through, you know, a timeline of your of your uh, career. You're, you know, I'm stumbling over the word. <laughs> over your career path. There we go. Over your career, career path. path. So, career path. So after that small town upbringing, I wanted to be a hairdresser. I decided when I was in high school, you know, you go to your career counselor and they match you up for your career. And, you know, I was always cutting my Barbie's hair and my doll's hair and I wanted to be a hairdresser. And my mom said, you know what? You stand up all day. There's a lot of chemicals. Why don't you think of something else? So I said, okay, I'll be an accountant. <laughs> Which was wow, that's a far extreme. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So I ended up in college at Bryant. Bryant College at the time. It's Bryant University now in Rhode Island. I did my four years. I graduated with a degree in accounting and moved to New York. I lived on Long Island and worked in Manhattan um, for a couple of brokerage firms. You know, pretty much everyone I went to college with was from New York, New Jersey area, and they were all going to Manhattan to work. Mm. So that was that was kind of the start of my career. And I did that for six or seven years, I guess. And it wasn't where I belonged. So I basically just walked out. I made the decision to leave. I opened a little bookstore by the railroad station in Rockville Center. And I owned that for, I guess, another six or seven years. Mm -hmm. Really loved it. It was complete. I mean, I've, I've done a bunch of pivots. I'm definitely the right person to be on this show because <laughs> I've, I've gone all over the place. But I really did love it. And then, um, I met my husband, we got married, he was in the Navy. So I ended up in Pensacola and then he uh, got transferred to Norfolk where he retired from. And um, I sort of was drifting, you know, it's it's hard to go from working on Wall Street, owning your own business to living in a place where if you're not in the military, there's not really a lot of, of careers. Um, so kind of just on a, on a whim because I was bored. Um, we got chickens in 2009 
I started a blog, really honestly just for something to do. We were, you know, living out in the country. We had a little land. Um, this, so I started my blog in 2011, started a Facebook page. By 2013, I had a book deal, second book in 2015. And I mean, it just it just snowballed from there. And I really didn't have a plan at that point. It wasn't like I went into it saying I'm going to earn money as a blogger or an influencer or any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. At that time, I just sort of fell into it. And I guess being a natural business person, having a degree in business administration, I saw that there was a way to make money doing it. Okay. All right. So, so take, take me through, you said, you know, you were in an area where if you weren't military, there really weren't a lot, lot of options. Like what did that do to you psychologically? You know, coming from Wall Street to to a place where you personally weren't able to grow. I mean, it was nice not to work. I did try a couple, you know, jobs here and there, bookkeeping type, not career path jobs, but just jobs, you know, to participate, you know, pay the bills and stuff. But it it just, um, yeah, it wasn't really a good time. I, I wasn't enjoying it. I didn't really have anything I was passionate about. So I think that's when we got the chickens. I just kind of threw myself into it and I, I do have sort of a short attention span. You know, I um, hadn't really done any one thing for a long time. So I, I think my husband definitely thought it was just going to be a fad. Like I get the chickens, do it for a few years, get tired of it, move on. And I just really loved it. And I mean, that just became the focus of, of everything I was doing. And social media was changing so much because blogging was taking off and Facebook started and then Instagram started. And so there, it's it's always changing. So it's not something that every day I'm doing the same thing. I think that really appeals to me a lot. Nice. Yeah, people with short attention spans need that ever-changing. That's, that's me too. I'm, I'm that guy that has like 50 tabs open on the computer because I'm con- constantly bouncing around from one thing to the next. So I totally... The freezes and my husband says, how many windows do you have open? And I'm like, just 14. It shouldn't freeze up. Yeah. 14 windows open. Yeah, and it's, I mean, I definitely am meant to be my own boss. I don't take direction very well, you know, so I need to be that person that's that's just running my own thing and I mean it's I mean I just my seventh book is now coming out uh, soon I don't know when this is going to air but my seventh book will be out February 15th I have a product line that sells on Amazon and Chewy you know I do podcasts I do radio shows and like every day my day is different there is no normal day let's say and I love that Nice. All right. So let's talk about, about the chickens. How did that come, come about? Did, like who, who brought up the idea? Okay. So to back up a little bit, we did have chickens when I was a kid. My grandparents okay. had a chicken farm in Massachusetts. I grew up across the street from there and it, it was legit. You know, they sold the meat and the eggs and they had a diner and the whole deal. They were chicken farmers. And then as a kid, we had a small flock. I was in 4-H. Wasn't really a fan of it. You know, when you're a kid, you just want to be out riding your bike till your mom says come home you know not cleaning a chicken coop um so 2009 we're back there and bored i suggested that we maybe get some goats we had a cute little barn and a fenced in pasture we had a couple of horses and i thought goats would be super fun my husband did not think goats would be fun at all um so <laughs> a guy at work actually had just started raising chickens and so he said how about we do chickens instead and I was thinking, you know, I grew up with chickens, not really a big fan of the chicken. Um, but I was like, all right, we'll get the chickens and then I'll I'll work on it with the goats. You know, you always know you got you can't say no. Right. You have to go. So we grabbed the car keys, went to the feed store, got the baby chicks. Um, I ended up doing a lot more research than I thought. You know, I figured I had them as kids. I know what to do. But when you're not in charge of their care and their feeding and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I did read a lot of books. I read a lot of magazines and and all that. Um and I decided I really loved it. This time around, it was just so much different because I was spending time with them and they all had names and, you know, they were friendly. And I don't remember our chickens being friendly when I was a kid. I don't, you know, <laughs> once they weren't baby chicks anymore, we really didn't care much about them. You know, we named all the baby chicks, but then once they were growing chickens, not really interested, but, but as an adult, it was super fun. And then I'm really into like natural and herbal and all that kind of stuff in our own lives. And so to apply that to what I was doing with the chickens was something else that I could get involved in. And that's really where the whole thing started to grow because people really responded to that message. And it was something a little different, you know, so I started to really get a a, a base core audience of people who really liked that philosophy. Yes. 
Awesome. Would you believe I actually had some experience in that? You do? Yeah, some. some. It was a long t- time ago. Yeah, growing up, we had 48, 48 chickens. Wow. Yeah, we had four, 48. We had four, four pigs, a couple dogs. We, we had one cat, picked up a stray cat, and then he had a litter of 10. <laughs> so, well, she. Yeah, true. She. And uh, yeah, it's like, so I remember once my dad was cleaning the chickens. And like, you know, he had their feet tied, you know, had to chop the heads off and we hang them up. And one got away and literally, you know, the whole running around like a chicken with your head cut off. It's real. <laughs> it's real good because he told me to catch it. I'm like, I don't know, 10, 10 years old trying to catch this thing. And it just stopped. <laughs> I was like, yeah, wow. that is that is real. I grew up, I'm sure we ate my grandparents. I don't think we ate our chickens because we only had a few when they were for eggs. But we yeah. definitely ate my grandparents' chickens. And I don't remember it being hard or being traumatized. And now, I mean, I would never eat one of my chickens. (laughs) It was like once we we had, we had a rooster, so we had eggs too. And then my dad wanted to to try, to try, you know, breeding a couple, Mm -hmm. you know, so, so we, we, we let, we actually let one hatch, just one. And it was a rooster. (laughs) And so in this thing, you know, crack of dawn, this thing's going and going and going. And so this one day we're coming home, my dad made chicken and dumplings and he, he always made chicken and dumplings. So we didn't think anything of it. And so as we're all eating, he's like, you guys hear that? And we're all like, what? You know, again, like, well, I'm, I'm the youngest of all my siblings. So like, I was really young, but we're all like, what? He's like, I was like, we're eating the rooster. Like, that's the only real memory I have of us eating them. You know, obviously we had the eggs, but right. like, we were all mortified. We were like, we're eating the rooster. But my dad got sick of them crowing, you know, first thing in the morning. Yeah, uh, that definitely. I'm not a huge fan of roosters. We do have one now, but he's little. He's a bantam. And he's so small that he doesn't, like, we kind of forget we have him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. All right. Happy so, farm kid memories. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. So take me through how how you came up with the idea for your business. Well, when I first started and, you know, opened a Facebook page and, and a blog and that, I just kind of pulled the names Fresh Eggs Daily out of a hat. And that's where it became my brand, even though I had no intention of becoming a brand. Yeah. Um but after I had written a couple of books and, you know, chickens were getting so popular, my books were selling well and I moved on to a larger publisher and, and just kind of the whole thing started snowballing and they were products that I used and brands that I was working with, you know, promoting their products. And it just worked out that um, the manufacturer of the products that I really love to use suggested that we private label them and, you know, put my brand on them and really market them towards chickens and ducks, which they weren't really doing. They were marketing towards like dogs and horses. And it's just been a really great partnership. I think four years now, maybe um, selling on Amazon and Chewy, which as a one person sort of brand selling retail would be so hard and all the distribution and all that. So it's been really wonderful to be able to sell nationwide, but use Chewy and Amazon as platforms for that. It makes it very doable for one person. That's great. So you, you said that you had no intention of developing a brand. And I saw on your website that, that you accidentally started it. So to, just walk me through it. I really only started my blog to use it as an archive. But, you know, my blogging was fairly new, so I wasn't really familiar with it. And uh, a girl that worked for my husband actually set me up on the blog again because I was bored. I was probably driving him crazy. So he was like, why don't you start a blog? Start writing about your chickens. So I figured, you know, I could write articles and then link to them on Facebook so I wouldn't have to keep typing the same things over and over. And I honestly, I thought 20 articles, I'll get a nice little basic foundation, use it as an archive, that'll be it. And now, you know, what, 10 years later, 700 articles and 50 million page views. I mean, it just, I have so much, you know, that I I can talk about and write about and that. So I, I just kind of dove into it. And then someone else who was blogging mentioned that you could get companies to pay for ads on your blog yeah and the light bulb went off and you know the entrepreneur in me was like i can earn a living doing this <laughs> yes you know so i started out with like maybe three ads and then i was charging like ten dollars a month and i was like oh i'm making money on my blog you know 
uh, rates have gone up considerably since then. And uh, it's, you know, it's just been great. And I joined an ad network, which is also great, you know, because you don't have to actually deal with the actual brands. A big part of what I do, since it is just me at the end of each year, I have to assess what's working, what's not working. You know, and if, if it's not something I really love doing or it's super profitable, I have to drop it because I don't have time to do everything. So I really try to stay streamlined and focus on the direction I want to go for each year and say no to a lot of things and, and just, you know, stop doing things that don't make sense because you can spend a lot of time, especially on social media. It's just a time suck. And if it's not something that's getting you towards your goal, it's not really doesn't make sense to do it. That's probably the most powerful thing that you just said was stop doing things that don't make sense. <laughs> you know, like that's, right. that's such. It sounds, it sounds simple, <laughs> but I'm in a lot of blogger groups and they go on and on about Pinterest, about how, you know, the algorithm has changed and they have to change all the size of their pins and they're not getting clickbacks and this and that. And I'm thinking, why are you working so hard on a platform that is not returning any kind of benefit to you? Yes. And, like and it you, doesn't make sense. You're just spinning your wheels. Yeah. And you can apply that to almost anything. Like I did an accountability call with my fitness clients last night and, you know, they, they, they also, oh, I had such a, such a, a bad day of eating yesterday. I was snacking on this, this, and that. I'm like, why is it in the house? <laughs> you know, they're like, well, uh, uh, you know what I mean? If, if you're struggling with it, why are you buying it? It's just like if you have these goals and you have these strong reasons why you want to reach the, these fitness goals, why are you bringing temptation into the household? It's like you can look in my, my fridge right now and there's nothing tempting in there. It's like when I want something, I'll go get it. I'll get a small amount, enough to wet the whistle, and that that's good because I'm human like everyone else. If I get a half gallon of ice cream, I'm going to have more than two scoops, right? It's, it's like you're going to have the two. They're going to be like, another two won't kill me, you know? So I make sure I get little single single portions. And, and it's not difficult, but my fitness goals, like I'm still an athlete. So it's important to me. Like I have to be in shape in order to, to compete. And so how that translates to what, to what you, you just said too, it doesn't matter what it is you're trying to accomplish. You have to do the right things to reach your outcome. To get there. Yeah. Yes. All right. So, all right. So when you wrote your first book, what was the motivation for it? Again, I, I was probably bored with writing blog posts and thinking, what can I do next? And so I said, well, let me write up a book proposal and see if, you know, anybody's interested. And it basically was my blog in book form. You know, it was a bunch of the topics of the articles. And I put together a proposal, pitched it out to five publishers. And I got two no's. One never responded, a maybe, and one yes. Yeah. So I was like, well, there you go. I have a book deal now. It was a very small publisher. Uh, I took all of my own photos. I did all my own marketing. And a few years later, I kind of looked back and said, you know, I wish a bigger publisher had picked it up. But now looking back, that was the best thing that could have happened because I learned so much about marketing a book, the formatting, photography, all that kind of stuff. Whereas if you work with a larger publisher and they do it all for you, mm -hmm. you don't have that learning experience. So now my new book is coming out from HarperCollins and we have a PR team, but I still know the basics of, of marketing and selling a book. And that's something I wouldn't have learned if I had started with a larger publisher. So I, I did write two for that first publisher. And then I moved on to a mid-sized publisher just because they have better distribution and they do have marketing resources and that. And I wrote four books for them. The last one came out just as COVID was starting. I was actually on a book tour and we heard about this something that was going around and we were going to have to just stop the tour, go home. And then COVID really set in. And that's when I sort of did my last and final pivot <laughs> to where I am mm -hmm. now. I decided I wanted to write a cookbook. I, I mean, in my dream, I would be a food blogger. I just mm -hmm. would love to be a food blogger, but I know I don't have the photography skills. I'm not a recipe developer. It's it's such a saturated um, arena that I was like, you know, I just got to keep doing chickens because I'm kind of dominating in that arena. So why stop doing something that I'm, I'm doing well at, right? Mm -hmm. But in the back of my mind, I've always wanted to be a food blogger. 
Mm. So I, I had the opportunity, pitched it to my current uh, publisher. They liked it, but it, it didn't work out some of the terms. So I ended up hiring an agent and they wrote a proposal and pitched it out to some of the you know largest publishers in the, co- in the country. And HarperCollins loved the idea of an egg cookbook, offered me a book deal. And I basically spent COVID writing a cookbook, which still is very surreal to me because yes, it's related to what I was doing, but it's also a very much a, a career path change. Mm. That's awesome. And so what are, so for, for your blog, cause I meant to ask you this earlier, then I got sidetracked. So for, for your blog, like what, what do you blog about? Like what, what are your topics? It's interesting. So I was actually just looking at my Google analytics and it breaks down by like last year which blog posts from which years are the most read and my blog posts from 2012 and 2013 which were my first two years are like 90 percent of my current blog traffic i was writing about all the basics you know how to pick a breed how to raise baby chicks um what do chickens eat what are some chicken treats how to set up a first aid kit common illnesses Mm -hmm. you know all those like foundational basic type things yeah and then of course you run out of that and then you have to start you know, making edible garlands for your chickens at Christmas and, you know, sewing curtains for the coop and like all that kind of stuff <laughs> just yeah. to keep creating content. Um, funny story though, I was doing a book signing. I don't remember which book it was, but I was at some feed store sitting behind the table signing books and this elderly man in overalls walked up to me and he said, you wrote a book on raising chickens? And I said, I did. And mm-hmm. he said, people need a book for that. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. And I was like, well, you know, I mean, we kind of skipped a generation there with the chicken keeping, like maybe not your family or my family, but a lot of families did. They don't have parents or grandparents that raise chickens. So they do need a book. But I mean, honestly, I, I create content for the sake of creating content. So I get clicks. Yeah. yeah see, the way the way I would have answered that, that question, I would have said, yeah, someone does. You know, someone, someone does. So for me in the fitness space, you'll be surprised how many people don't know how to do a basic squat. <laughs> like people will come in and be like, all right, just sh- show me a squat because I want to see what they'll naturally do. It's like, okay, stop. <laughs> it's like, let, let me show you the right way. So I don't take anything for anything for granted. Like I tell people, if you have an idea that you want to bring to light, if you can help someone else with it, Put it out there because I guarantee you someone's looking for it. Like when my father passed, we were we were cleaning out his garage. He was an he was an engineer, so he was such a pack rat. There's so much stuff in his garage, and my mother started throwing all this stuff into a trap, like the the junk pile. And I was like, "What? Why is this junk?" I, I was like, so, "Someone will buy that." And she's like, "Someone's gonna buy that." I said, "You cannot go by your standard." Right. I was like, "Just because you wouldn't pay for that." doesn't mean someone else wouldn't like there were these two rusted they looked like support beams and she listed them on facebook marketplace and within 24 hours someone hit her up drove from 75 miles away and paid her over 100 bucks for these two rusty (laughs) things that she was gonna throw in into the scrap bin you know so so like that's what i always tell people is like you can't go based on you like me personally i wouldn't have bought those <laughs> but i know there's someone out there who will oh absolutely that's one thing we we kind of enjoy doing is finding stuff in the garage and putting it out at the end of the driveway with a free sign on it mm. seeing how long it takes till somebody takes it yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no matter what you put out there someone is going to stop it's, it's loaded into their car and just be thrilled Yep, it's true. It's like that's the epitome of one man's trash and another man's treasure. It's like yeah. you'd, you'd be surprised. I when I first was piecing my gym together, I I found a lot. I mean, not not my gym like now. In the very beginning, back in mm-hmm. two thousand nine, you know, I built a garage and I mean a gym into my garage because I did not get my dad's engineering skills. So I was like, I, I don't need a big garage. Like I don't fix cars or anything. So I turned it into a gym. But that's how I, I I constantly looked on Craigslist for people who were just giving stuff away, you know, yep. or, or selling stuff for for cheap. Because I know a lot of gym owners say, you know, it takes $100,000 to open up a gym. And it's like, well, I also know that most gyms close in a year and a half because they, they take on all this debt and they don't have any clients or anything yet. And so I would just scour Craigslist and say, oh, free, free treadmill, I'm going to go get it. Free elliptical, I'm going to go get it. Free dumbbells, going to go get them. And 
every now and then people would have other stuff that they were selling. So they're like, hey, if you're interested, I got this weight bench in here. You can have it for 50 bucks. I'm like, that's a steal. Done. Right. <laughs> you know, so, so it's like people, like you just never know what people are looking for and then what else they can lead to. Because another guy. Exactly. Came, and instead of you bringing it to the dump, you can just give yes. it, say, you come and get it and haul it away and it's yours. And you save yourself yes. a, a dump trip. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and, and, and it's like, we don't want to be wasteful. So mm-hmm. it's, like, it's like, why, why throw, throw this away if someone else can, can use it? And, but we do it with our, with what we have in our brains, you know, <laughs> like with you starting your blog, writing books, doing everything that you're doing, like you're taking your knowledge and your expertise and you're putting it out for other people to use it. It's the same, the same mentality. Right. Yes. Yep. Doing what you know, because there, there's always going to be somebody who wants to add advice or information or expertise. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's like, I just, t- like I said, I just tell, tell people, don't, don't let other people cloud your vision. You know, like whatever your vision is, just run with it. You know, run with it. Mm-hmm. Somebody out there needs what you have. And most places that go under, it's really not even because they had a bad product. It's like maybe they, did, they just didn't have the right marketing or the right branding. Like take Quiznos, for instance. I thought Quiznos had a far better sandwich than Subway. But Quiznos went under because like they didn't do it right there. Their marketing thing was we have toasted sandwiches. So what the subway do? They put toasters in all in all their their restaurants, <laughs> you know, and completely crushed them. Had they marketed that right, I mean, I think there's still a handful of them around, but for the most part, they they went under because they didn't really identify what what their what their uh, differentiation was. Just like you were saying with yours, you know, there's other chicken farms out there, but they don't do it this way, right? No, I think that I think that's a good point too. Is that you can have a great idea or a great product. But if you don't know how to market it and run it and handle it, you're not going to succeed. So it has to be a combination of both. Like you have to have some kind of good business sense, but you also have to have something that you're selling that people are interested in. And some people have one, some people have the other, some people have both. Yes, exactly. All right. So what is, what is your, what is your best selling product? My my first book is still my best-selling book. It's it's funny. It's kind of like my blog, that early stuff, the foundational, the basic, you know, that that's my best-selling book still. It came out in 2013. My best-selling product is brewer's yeast and garlic for chickens, which is great for respiratory and digestive and immune system health. I think because people know for their own health, eating brewer's yeast, eating garlic, those kind of things can really help with your overall health. So they, they understand and it makes sense. You know, I also have a probiotic product. Same thing. People get it. They know what probiotics are in their own diet. So they understand that it helps with chicken digestive health. So I think the things that I kind of humanized to a certain extent and people can understand, oh, this is something I should give to my chickens. It makes sense to them. Yes. So putting something up here. All right. So... All right, so so what what do you what do you help people do? Like like what's like what's what's your go to? Like people come to you for what? What I try to help people do is be proactive and work a lot on natural preventives and supplements, and try to build a healthy flock so you don't have to wait until they get sick and then worry about like how to treat sick chickens because that's a difficult thing to do. So I think just trying to get people to think proactively and do some research, do some reading. Now, the opposite problem exists back when I started, there was very little out there. Now there's almost too much out there. So when you Google anything, you get so many hits and it's hard to tell what's real, what's not. You know, there's conflicting information and advice and just trying to help people sort through everything that's out there and say, if you come to my blog, if you read my books, if you use my products, you can feel comfortable and confident that you are going to have a chicken flock like mine. You know, when they, they follow me on social media, they see my chickens, they see my coop, they see how healthy everybody looks. So I guess that's sort of the whole thing. Okay. All right. So take me through your, your TV appearances. Like how, like how did you get, get, how'd you land your first one? 
oh, you know, honestly, I don't even remember what the first one was. I think I did a couple local, local TV, maybe. It was one of my books and, and the PR people really were great. And they started getting me booked on morning talk shows, you know, Good Day Houston or Good Morning Maine or, you know, whatever it may be. And um, it was a lot of fun. You know, I, I would bring chickens if it was local, but obviously if I traveled, I couldn't bring my chickens. So I would reach out to people who followed me on Facebook and ask if anyone lived in the area, wanted to meet me at the TV station with some chickens. So we would always have chickens on set, which I think is really great TV. Mm. You know, the host always really loved it. And it, it just kind of like started to be a thing. And then of course COVID hit and that put, I mean, I was really traveling a lot right up yeah. until then. But I've done a lot of Zoom things since then, you know, some some Zoom local TV tech stuff. Nice. Yeah, COVID just needs to go away. It really <laughs> does. It just, yeah, it put a damper in so much. I mean, I feel like everything was chugging along really well on so many levels. And then, yep. and, and I really can't complain because I think chicken keeping, I mean, it, it just skyrocketed. You know, anyone who didn't have chickens was thinking about it because of, you know, the insecurity about is there going to be food on the shelves and, you know, they're home, they're not working, the kids are home. So anything related to chickens has really, really done well since COVID. But I still would rather have it go back to the way it was before. Yeah, true. Same same thing in, in the speaking world. You know, I've done a lot of lot of virtual talks these last couple of years, but there's nothing like being on stage. And I, and I was just starting, it was just making ground. Like my father passed the tail end of 2019. So just before all the mess with 2020. And I remember telling him towards the end, you know, I'm going to go full force with, with speaking now. And, you know, it's like, I still have my gym and I love my gym, but like my, what really, really lights my soul on fire is I love speaking. And so I was like, I'm really going to go, go forward with it. And I had eight gigs lined up for early 2020. I got to do one of them. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was on March 1st. And then Mar March 3rd, we got the first confirmed case in Rhode Island. And then by March 10th, everything was everything was closed down. And they were all gone. So like I said, I did pivot. You know, I got I got a bunch of a bunch of media hits myself. And but like I said, there's just nothing like being on stage. I, I want that moment. I dreamt about that moment as a kid, stepping out to like a like a big stadium just packed of yeah. people to hear me <laughs> you know, it's no like it's, it's so true that. and i mean my pr people keep saying but with zoom it's better because you don't have to travel you don't have to pay for a airline ticket you don't have to leave the house and i'm like but but like you said but you're not in front of a live audience you're not talking to the host live it's it's just not the same it's not the same energy mm. but things will open up hopefully by spring Hopefully until the, the latest variant pops up, because like that's it, it seems like right when we think we're good, boom, here's another. Like boom, here's another. It's like come on, man. I know. <laughs> what can you do? So, what was your favorite TV show to be on? Oh, absolutely, the Hallmark Home and Family Show, which mm. sadly they canceled. But it, uh, for those who aren't familiar, it was like a two or three hour morning show filmed in this cute little house and they have a kitchen and a backyard and a craft room and a living room and they would have you know three or four guests on for the day and a bunch of different hosts and you know we were out in the backyard with the chickens and just a really fun informal conversation it was out in LA um, I got a trailer they had hair and makeup it, it was like the real deal nice love it yeah yeah I was in a, in a media a media group this was the beginning of 2020, and one of the one of the guys in the group, his dream was to be on the Hallmark Channel, um, and and he, well, he actually has a, a regular show on there now. Like I don't, oh. I don't remember the name of it, but yeah, yeah, he he ended up he ended up making that dream come true. It's like wow, good good for you. <laughs> you That's know? awesome. Yeah, no, it's good stuff. All right, so as far as print publications go, I saw you were in Forbes. How, how'd you land that one? I did a couple, I mean, I did a ton of chicken stuff, like all the chicken magazines and homesteading and interviews and wrote articles. I freelance wrote for a long time, but that takes so long. I would much rather be interviewed for an article. I think when you write a freelance article, nobody ever looks at the byline. So you spend all your time writing this article and then, you know, someone's flipping through a magazine. They don't bother to see who wrote it. So I wasn't getting any, you know, blog traffic or really benefit from it. But I realized if I was interviewed for articles, then your name and your website is printed right in the article. 
yes. along with your quote and it's so much better for everything and it takes like no time. <laughs> so I started doing a little bit of that and um, the Wall Street Journal reached out to me one summer for an article, which ended up on the first page because it was August and you know nothing's happening in New York in August. <laughs> True. So my chicken was actually on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. And after that, I started getting called by like Inc. and Business Insider, Forbes, to talk more about building a brand, building a business, you know, that kind of thing, which was really fun because I, I was starting to get tired of talking about chickens. I <laughs> oh, love it. All right, so, so when you talk about branding, I shifted gears there, hence the pause. Right, so, when, <laughs> yeah, so when you talk about branding, what do you, what do you, what's the number one thing you help people with in branding? Because, because I help people with this too, and I'm just, I'm just curious to see how in alignment what we are on this. Actually, one of the very first talks I did, like public speaking terrifies me, by the way. I'll be on TV and podcasts and radio until the cows come home, but public speaking terrifies me. But one of the mm -hmm. first talks I was asked to do was at a blogging conference talking about building a brand. And what I realized just from audience feedback in that is people aren't consistent. So there'll be something on Facebook, you know, like Lisa's chickens on Facebook with their little thumbnail. And then on Instagram, they'll be Fresh Eggs Daily with a different thumbnail and they won't have a consistent name and thumbnail image and logo across all social media. So then when you ask somebody or, you know, you stumble across someone's blog or whatever, you're not going to immediately recognize if you're on Twitter that it's the same person. Mm. So it's really, really important to be consistent across all social media. Everything you do, make sure it's consistent, grab those those names. Anytime I hear of a new platform starting up, I immediately go sign up for an account and grab my name. I mean, 90% of them never become anything, but you don't want the one that becomes the next Facebook to not be on it and have somebody else grab your page name. It's true. And then you're sunk. It's true. Because think about when Facebook started, MySpace was the big thing. And I remember when Facebook first started, I was like, I don't need another another thing to talk, talk to people I barely know. <laughs> you know? But, but then just as it grew and grew and grew, it's like, I need to pay attention to what's going on over there. <laughs> so, so you have to oh, I've, right. jo I've joined them all, MeWe and mm. I mean, things that don't even exist anymore. I, I immediately go and grab an account and I don't do anything with it. I just yeah. grab it. So I have it because the worst thing would be for that to become big and you don't even have your own page name. Yeah. And I, I, I made that mistake because you know, when I first started with this, I was still working in the restaurants. So, and I have a very common name, Robert Foster. <laughs> like this, and Providence alone, I think there's 26 of them. So that's why I always go by Robert B. Foster, even though there's a bunch of them too, but there's a lot less. So like my Instagram name is different from my Facebook name, which is different from my Twitter name, because I couldn't find any combination of them. I mean, uh, Instagram is closed. I have Robert underscore B underscore Foster. Right. I mean, and as long as you have the same thumbnail. So when somebody, yeah. you know, a lot of times I'll go to tag somebody and I'm not even sure if it's the right account because the picture is not the same as I'm used to seeing on their blog gotcha. or used to seeing on their Facebook or whatever. And that's something that you can definitely have consistent over all the platforms. I mean, yes. I've had people actually who have followed me for years who then buy my book, like at Attract Your Supply, are halfway through it before they realize it's the same person. And yet my book is named Fresh Eggs Daily and my blog and my Instagram is named Fresh Eggs Daily. And they still don't make that connection. So you have to make it really, really easy for people. Yes. See, and with what you do, it's like your audience is defined. You know, well, let's go back to the, the chicken part, you know, about mm -hmm. helping people start a chicken coop. Like that's that's a very narrow down niche. You know, so it's very easy to stand out in that in that niche. Right. So. So for people who are in more saturated areas, like what, what are you, like for me, I'm in the fitness, there's a, you know, thousands of fitness people out there. It's like, what do you tell someone, like, what are your best advice for them to stand out? Just same, be consistent. So if they happen to stumble across you on another platform, they go, oh, that's that Robert guy that I loved his tweet. You know, I should follow him here too. And, and, and also I find the mistake people make is not putting the links to their other social media on their social media. So, you know, like on Twitter, you should have your link to your Instagram or on Facebook, you should have your, your blog 
link and things like that. You, you have to really, really make it idiot proof for people. So when they want to find something, whether it's a book you're selling or a course you're, you're doing or a podcast, you have to make sure that no matter where they land, they can get somewhere else yes. from wherever they are. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. And also you want clarity. So like I help people, I help people with storytelling. And so whether it's, you know, for people, if they want to tell their story on a, on a podcast or whatever it is, but I also look at people's brand stories. Like I look at their about sections mm-hmm. and so, you know, just sometimes the about section is like a resume. And it's yes. like, so again, we'll take fitness for, 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 for example, of someone sitting on a couch, they just ate a half a gallon of ice cream. They're feeling awful about themselves. And they're like, you know what? I need to do something. And so they do a search. They find me, you know, you, you look at it on the surface. I'm like, all right, who is this guy? And my, my story, I go through my one time I was overweight. So, so I'm le- letting you know, I, I felt what you're feeling. I've been there and here's what I did to get me through. And I can also help get you through. And then, then you can put in some, you know, I'm certified in blah, blah, blah. But when most people put all that stuff, I don't know what it means. It's like you people have all these letters after their, after their name. That means nothing to me right now. I feel awful and I want to feel better. Can you help me? That's a good point too. I agree with that too about the about a lot of bloggers, especially, you know, I'll, I'll land on their blog for a recipe or whatever it is. And I'll click on their about and it'll be like, I marry and, or you know, not a good, I'm Jane. I'm married to my high school sweetheart and the mommy to three adorable children. And I'm like, great, but why should I use your recipes? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, you know, pe- people want to be sucked into something. And so, you know, like one of my mentors always says, what's the lean in moment? Like there has to be a lean in. So I say, hey, I'm Rob Foster, you know, owner of RBF Fitness and Nutrition. And let me tell you something. I've had that moment where I looked in the mirror and did not love what I saw. Like right there, relatability right out of the gate, Mm -hmm. you know. So it's like, oh, wow, I I just did that just this morning when I got out of the shower. (laughs) So like it's an instant relatability. And then just the like by the end of that about section, they should have an idea about who you are, mm-hmm. you know? And-, and obviously for fitness photos, you know, they want to see a photo of you and a photo maybe before yeah. and after, but really whatever you're talking about, if people can relate, I noticed when I added my photo to the sidebar on my blog, my traffic went up when I added it on my social media because people want to be able to relate to a person. And that's the advantage we have over a brand. Yes. You know, if I go to a chicken feed blog and I'm reading their articles, there's no person behind there. There's no chickens behind that. There's no, oh, she says this, but what are her chickens look like? You know, so that's the advantage we have over the brands is that we can reach people on a really, really personal level. And they feel like they know you. I mean, yes. I get people emailing me saying, I'm going to be up in Maine this summer. Can we come visit you? You know, <laughs> they feel like they know you a little bit too well sometimes. Yes. And that's just like one of the first questions I asked you, you know, how would your best friend describe you? So when it comes to your brand, it's like, how do you, how do your customers slash clients describe you? Right. You know, it's like, and you know, having, having that, that brand, it should illustrate what you are. Mm-hmm. People should just know that. And, and that even goes to brick and mortar stuff, stuff as well. Like I, I worked with some, some gyms, like in a consulting fashion, and it's just like you walk in the door. Like the second you walk in the door, I should know what you're about before I even talk to anyone. But right. it's like you walk in and there's like random stuff on the wall. And, you know, it's like, I don't know who you serve. I don't know who you're catering to. You know, it's like all those things matter. You know, they definitely matter. So when I had my other gym, like right when you walked in, I had a smaller room. Then I had the bigger room behind it. But right when you walk in, the color scheme was welcoming because, you know, some people are very intimidated when they come into to a gym mm-hmm. for the first time. But it was very welcoming. I had before and after photos plastered, you know, and I work with mostly moms. So, like, the, the look and feel of it catered to moms, you know. So it's like b- before before I even came up to say if I was in the back room and someone w- walked in, you know, what do, pe- what do people do? Right. They're looking around. And so by the time I even get up there, they already know what we're all about. Right. And they have some feel if it's the right place for them. And whether it's brick and mortar or a website or a blog, same thing. As soon as your blog or your website homepage comes up, people should get a good feel 
of what you're about, if they're going to like it there, if there's going to be something for them. Yeah. I had a w woman on, uh, Jessica Burgess. She's, she started a blog. Too. Very, very similar story. Like when you were telling yours, I was think thinking of my episode with, with her as well. So same thing, you know, her husband was working. She was pr pretty much staying at home and she just like, I need something for me. And so she, she started blogging just as a hobby. And then, you know, people, people were telling her, you know, you can make money with this. And so she looked into it and now she's got an extremely successful blog. And uh, my daughter actually made some of her recipes from um, her blog, but, but, but it's great. It's just taking something that you're passionate about and just putting it out there, you know, mm -hmm. then just whatever you believe in the universe, God, whatever, it clears the path. <laughs> it really does. So like, even when I started my, my, my gym, like I chuckled when, when I was reading your stuff, how you said you accidentally started your, started your brand. Cause that's how, how my gym was when I was getting all that stuff in, it was more so for me. Mm -hmm. Like I needed an outlet for me because I kept coming home after the restaurants, you know, with that that stress. And I was bringing it in the house, so I, so I would come home. I'd go in, in the garage for thir thirty minutes to an hour, do my thing. Invited a friend. The friend asked, could he bring a friend? That friend wanted to bring his wife, and then the wife wanted to bring some of her coworkers, and then poof, here we are. And you're like, <laughs> okay, now there's going to be a monthly fee for this guy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So it's like. That, that was never the game plan. It just unfolded. And then I ended up losing my management job. So it's like, talk about the universe. I thought, dude, do this. Right. <laughs> you know? so, well, and, and that's the thing, whether it's, you know, because you have to pay the bills and you need something to do and this has to work or just because you're so passionate about it. I think that that's when it works is when it's something you really want to be doing. If you're forcing it, if you say, mm. Hey, fitness is really big right now, or chickens are really big right now. I'm going to start a blog. I'm going to start a podcast. That's not going to work because there, it's not genuine and there's no passion behind it. And you're going to burn out because it is really hard work and it, you have to treat it as a 24 seven job. Yeah. Yeah. And when you're helping people, that's where, excuse me, that's where the passion comes from. Cause when I was venturing off into speaking, you know, my business coach again was saying, Going back to what I said in a teachable moment about letting other people decide your your direction, you know, he, he's like, you can't do both. He's, he's, he's like, you know, if you have a plan A, plan B's, or, I mean, if you have a plan B, plan A is never going to come to fruition. I was like, I'm not stopping my, my gym. It was like, I have a core of people that have been with me for years, years mm -hmm. and years, you know, and it, it's, it's enough to sustain it. So... Like I said, doing the speaking, it definitely does light my soul on fire. But helping people, because most people, when they join a gym, they're not in, they're not in a good place. Sometimes it's post divorce, it's post trauma, it's rehabbing from an injury. You know, there's usually something that's keeping them in a not so great place, and I get to help pull them out of that. Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, and, and for me, just the way I'm wired, I can't just walk away from that. It's like, I don't have to actively grow it to where it was five years ago where I had hundreds and hundreds of clients, but I can keep my, my core group. And then I have the rest of the day to do things like this, mm -hmm. you know, whether I host my show or I speak, like I have another one coming up here, here, here soon. And I, and I spend the rest of the day doing that. So the soul gets what it's looking for, you know, and, and I still still get that personal connection with, with my gym clients. So it's like you can do both. You know, like you said, it's not easy, but it can be done. Right. Especially if you toss out the stuff that's not making sense or that you don't like doing and just mm -hmm. focus on the things that you love. Yeah, no, I think I'm going to make, make, I'm going to make a meme out of that. Stop doing things that don't make sense. <laughs> you know, I have That's a great. picture of, I have a picture of me pointing <laughs> and, and I'm going to put that caption right on it. <laughs> I love, I love it. that. <laughs> so what's next for you? Well, I'm busy promoting my, my cookbook. I am going to be pitching another cookbook. I don't know, you know, how soon they would entertain the idea of another one, but I really enjoyed the process and I'm branching out, reaching a much larger audience, which is super fun. And maybe I can convince some of those people to start raising chickens, which will also be fun. And that will sort of, you know, feed the funnel into my other books, my products, my blog and all that. So that's my short-term plan. And I think it's a good one. Yeah. So sounds pretty solid. 
So which book do, do you have that's um, coming out on the 15th? So the Fresh Eggs Daily Cookbook is coming out on February 15th. It is over 100 egg recipes, sweet, savory, nice. cooking, baking. Don't have to have chickens in order to enjoy the cookbook. If you eat eggs, um, that's good enough. And it's, you know, available at Amazon, Barnes and Noble. And as always, all the links to everything are on my blog. So if, you know, anyone's listening and is interested in more, fresheggsdaily.com, there are the links to my blog, my products, my books, all my social media. It's all in one place and it's all consistent. Love it. So let me put that up on the screen. You said fresh, oh, wrong, wrong keyboard. Hold on. You said fresheggsdaily.com. FreshEggsDaily.com. Daily.com. All right, so I can put that on the screen. Perfect. There we go. FreshEggsDaily.com. <laughs> All right, so so give me an example of some of the recipes you have because I've been I've been egg eater. I just had a had a nice nice omelet before I logged on. So just like give give me an example of a sweet, a savory. What do you got? There in? are omelets, quiches, frittatas, those type of things. Um, I am a baker, so I really love baking. So there's Boston cream pie, lemon meringue pie, creme brulee, pound cake, angel food cake. I really tried to focus on things that the eggs were the star of the show. You know, they're in almost anything you bake, but also not just breakfast. You know, I've got some main dishes. I've got some salads, a great Caesar salad recipe with homemade Caesar dressing, um, eggs benedict with hollandaise sauce. I mean, eggs are so versatile. There's so much you can do with them. Yeah, they are. That's why I love them. Yeah, I I spent my first my first decade of the restaurant industry in bre- breakfast places, so that's where my love of eggs started. And uh, it's good stuff, very good stuff. All right, so and you said that that you were thinking of doing a second re- recipe book. So what are you going to include in that one? I mean, there are more egg recipes, so I could just do you know more. Fresh eggs daily, <laughs> something <laughs> like that. But I don't know. I haven't really, haven't really refined that yet. Okay. All right. So you said people, people can find you via your website, right? Fresheggsdaily.com? Yes. Okay. I said it slowly. So when it's on the audio versions, you know, people, people can get it that way. All right. So give us some final words. What was what was my saying again? I forget it. Don't do things that don't make sense. Yes. <laughs> Raise chickens. <laughs> and if you are not loving what you're doing, think about what you would love doing because I honestly believe you can turn almost anything into a career. Agreed. Agreed. Hundred percent. Right, and I'll just end with I was speaking at at a career day this one day, and I, I asked the kids. Now this was middle school. So I asked kids, I'm like, how many of you guys have one of these? You know, and almost all the hands went up. I was like, who here plays sports? You know, this uh, young girl puts her hand up. I'm like, what do you play? She's like, basketball. I was like, perfect, because I know a lot about basketball. So I was like, perfect, come on up. And so I was like, write down all the things you, you need to be, that you need to know to play basketball. And she's like, rebounding and dribbling and shooting. And went right down the list, running, jumping. And so I said, now, how old are you? She's like 12. I said, do you think you could make a video that could teach a seven-year-old how to do all these things? And she's like, yeah. I said, I just gave you a business idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, it's, it's, it's that easy. It's like, what can you teach someone else? And you can monetize that. Like, I took my knee, my knee injury and I use my knee injury to help people cope with so many different things. Because people like... Oh, well, you can just help other people that hurt their knee. It's like, no, no, no. Because it's not about what happened. It's about how you bounce back from it. Right. That's that's where the inspiration is. You know, so it doesn't matter whether you went through a divorce, whether you went through, you know, loss or just or an injury yourself. The steps to get back, they're all related you right. know, so, so I thought, okay, so you went through the divorce, right? That just means that chapter is closed. So today is a new chapter. What are, what, what are we going to help you run towards? I said, that doesn't mean this isn't going to sting for a bit, but you're going to take that sting and you're going to use it to fuel a better and brighter future for yourself. You mm-hmm. know, like, and that's how you marry the two. 
And so I want to thank you for coming on and sharing, you. sharing your story. Because I tell everybody, everybody has a story. Just come out and share it because you, you don't know. There's someone out there that needs to hear it like only you can tell it. So appreciate I hope so. that. Yes, the pleasure was all mine. I really enjoyed it. Awesome. Good, good, good. All right. So again, fresheggsdaily.com. Look her up. Hit her up on her social media. Book coming out on the 15th. Lisa, have yourself a great day. Thanks. You too. All right. Take care. Bye. Right. So that was Lisa. If you are tuning in late, make sure you go back and watch the rest of the episode. She had a lot of good knowledge. I learned I learned a few things over here myself. Got a nice page full of notes. And I will be back again on Sunday with another great guest here to inspire you. Take care. You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Robert has over 20 years experience pouring his knowledge and expertise at many events in the service and fitness industry, as well as secondary schools and universities. He has a true passion for helping others break through the barriers that are holding them back. To book Robert B. Foster to speak or to reach out, go to robertbfoster.com. Until next time.